Welcome to Eagle Clinical's Expert Update, the business of natural health. Whether you're working full-time in clinic, if it's your side hustle, or if you are thinking about starting a business in natural health, this podcast is for you. Your host, naturopath and educator, Lawrence Katsaris, will interview industry experts to share easy-to-consume expert updates. With the help of the experts, Lawrence will aim to simplify some of the more confusing questions that emerge when running a business, so you can get on with the more important things. Hello and welcome to Eagle Clinical's Expert Update, the show that speaks to industry experts and covers various topics around the business of natural health. I'm your host, Lawrence, and today is the next part of our series on navigating the regulatory landscape in complementary medicine, where we will cover a really important area for many practitioners running their own business, and that is advertising. Advertising is an important area for promoting your business and reaching new clients. However, there's a couple of different layers when it comes to ensuring your advertising is compliant with the regulations. And there is some confusion around where the responsibility lies when it comes to promoting products and services. So today we have again on the episode Sue Walt, the Regulatory Affairs Manager from Integria Healthcare, who's going to help navigate us through this topic. Welcome back and thanks for joining me, Sue. Thanks, Lawrence. Great to be back. This topic is a great one to cover and one that I know confuses so many practitioners. As you said, advertising is a very important means for building a business. So when it comes to advertising, it's important that practitioners understand what their responsibilities are. Before you advertise, it is your responsibility to understand all the relevant legislative requirements. And there are multiple areas that a practitioner must be aware of. With the most important though, being the TGA Advertising Code and the ACCC, which is the Australian Consumer Law. Both the TGA Advertising Code and the ACCC enforce legislation to ensure honest and truthful advertising, and therefore advertising must not arouse unwarranted or unrealistic expectations of the services you provide, or lead consumers to self-diagnose or inappropriately treating potentially serious diseases. For example, as a practitioner, you cannot advertise that you are treating a serious disease such as cancer. You can, however, say that you are providing support to your patient's cancer journey. You also must not mislead or likely to mislead or direct, directly or by implication through the emphasis, comparison or contrast or even omissions. And you must not abuse the trust or exploit the lack of knowledge of your consumers. Practitioner must also, practitioners must also be aware that they need to adhere to their industry association policies and guidelines with respect to advertising. So, I mean, I think that most practitioners are doing the right thing. It's just like with most situations, there's always a couple that go a little bit stray and they kind of ruin it for everyone. But essentially these guidelines are put in place so that people can't be misled and the average individual the consumer can't be misled that a practitioner can tell them they're going to you know in inverted commas cure something and completely resolve something where in all likelihood you know as practitioners you're supporting this health position of that individual it's not necessarily that you're going to be treating that particular condition and you've got the tgac and the ACCC, which are enforcing this honesty and truthful advertising. And I guess I, I mentioned that because 
practitioners or like you know most of the practitioners I've dealt with over the over the years they're always coming from the right place they're they're trying to help provide support and education to that client or those potential clients around mm -hmm. what they can help with but it's about walking that fine line about saying what we what you can help with but not overstepping the mark isn't it yes because we know that there's you've got you know, I guess our, our friends, the friends of science out there that are wanting to pull people up on, you know, whether they're using devices or whether they're making outlandish claims about curing things and, and dealing with things. It all, again, comes back to the level of evidence, as a, similar, I guess, to what we we're talking about with ingredients. Well, yes. And I guess, you know, you're right. It's like a few rotten apples spoil the batch mm. and most people are doing the right thing. And sometimes you inadvertently do the wrong thing. Um, so when you're advertising products, um, it is a tricky area to navigate from a, from a practitioner perspective. Um, you're only allowed to use um, the approved claims and they're the claims that are listed on the ARTG, so the, the registration of that product. Um, and, and you can't embellish or um, mislead in any way what those indications may be. Um, so it's probably good to stay away from advertising product specifics, unless you're getting, you know, you get some advice from the medicine owner. So that way they can help you with wording um, to advertise that product. But my advice would be to stay away from advertising product specifics. Could we just talk a little bit more about those, those listed claims because I know that's a change that's come in recently and still probably confuses a lot of practitioners let alone patients like could you explain by those listed claims why there are these general sometimes vague claims around on products and why that is then so restrictive on what you can say like you can't be saying this product can necessarily even treat the symptoms of the common cold unless there is the evidence behind on that claim for those ingredients so what the TGA introduced a few years ago was a mandated list of indications that we could choose from as like they did for the um, ingredients that we could choose from. So, and because these medicines are low risk medicines to, you know, not to be treating, you know, high serious, level conditions, yeah, or... high level conditions, um, you know, they're supposed to be maintaining and supporting um, which is where we see those general claims, like general maintains claims. general well-being or yes, support. Yep. And to give our listeners a bit of an understanding on high-level claims, like we can't necessarily be talking about mood, we can't necessarily be talking about conditions specifically, unless that ingredient has been reaching the level of evidence required to demonstrate that it does that. Yeah, so the TGA is saying that, you know, because of this low-risk medicine category that our products fall into, that it should be self-limiting conditions that you're using these products for, um, not not for any of those high-level um, indications. And yes, and even those low-level um, claims that we are making, we do need to hold evidence for those to be able to support those indications that we make on our product. And that is, you know, as you mentioned, you know, our friends of science, um, people who want to, you know, trash the industry and discredit this industry. Um, I believe as an industry, we hold a lot of evidence to support mm. the indications that we do make for our products. 
Um, Which I think is a really important point because we're not saying by any means that there isn't evidence to demonstrate mm. that these herbs or nutrients do what we say they're doing. It's just that according to the regulations put in place by the TGA, it's not at the level because of the the oper- the mode that they're operating in within an Ostel product. And we talked about the Ostel listing last episode, so if you're not sure about what that is, I'd certainly recommend that you go and have a listen to that. But in terms of the listing of those medicines, where they're sitting and where we're able to play with, I guess, is what's the according to the claims that we can make on those. Yeah, and I guess probably the, the thing to remember is that these are classified as medicines within Australia. Um, and with most country, other countries, they're dietary supplements. Mm. So, you know, we're wanting to make sure that we do hold the evidence to support any of the indications we make when advertising these products. When we're talking about the claims that we can make on products and our ability to advertise the products that we're using or the services that we're offering, it starts to be a little bit limited, isn't it? And so there's ways that you can work within this that you can still effectively advertise to patients. Yeah, so my advice would be stay away from mentioning a product specifically, but there are other creative ways where a practitioner can showcase their services and the wonderful value of the ingredients that they may be prescribing. So for example, an approach approaching it as an education piece and talking about the different nutrients and the different herbs for a condition instead of you know relating it back to a product specific mm-hmm. um, you know talking about echinacea generally you know for immune support and tying it back to that way because the, at the end of the day these products are being used for self-select so the patient can't self-select these products you're prescribing these products for them so advertising a product specifically it's a bit redundant it's, because it they is. can't go and pick it up anyway. Yeah, so, so yeah, so avatar, talking more to the ingredients that are used within these formulations, I think, educates your patients better. And because those are the tools that you're able to use, you can talk about echinacea, you can talk about cat's claw, and I guess for our listeners, just explaining that because it's an ingredient, you can say whatever you want about an ingredient, but yes. it's, the TGA is mandating what you can say about when you put all those ingredients together in a product then you're limited on what you can say which is a little bit interesting mm-hmm. but you can you can go free and talk what you want to talk about with echinacea for instance. yes exactly so approaching it with that education idea i think is really great advice and it's a great way to kind of get around that situation yeah and then you're talking about what you have as ingredients available to people and as you've mentioned then when that individual comes and presents to you as a practitioner you might be using echinacea or you might decide that it's more of an astragalus sort of situation, but you're the one making that call. They're not walking in and asking for that and we're just dispensing it. Yes, exactly. Yep. So if practitioners are keen to advertise product, just be sticking with the listed claims around that product then, which is uh, what is available when they'll look in a catalogue or any kind of sales material from that manufacturer. Yeah, pretty much. So any of the materials that have been provided to you from that, you know, the, the brand, that's pretty much the approved materials that you could use. So all of the materials that are given to you from the brands have been pre-approved and made compliant by the Reg, Reg Affairs team within the organisation. Great. Thanks, Sue. Now, with regards to advertising, a large area of, or the domain where a lot of practitioners are advertising is in the digital space. Mm-hmm. And that 
area has changed rapidly within the last decade. We've seen the growth of the digital environment, allowing a lot of practitioners to be seizing opportunities to promote their businesses, whether it's on social media or on live streams or Facebook lives, etc. And, and in Australia, 98% of internet users are aged 16 to 64, use a search engine, and one in three users turn to social media to gather their information about businesses that they're considering and engaging with. So this alongside the impact that we've seen over the last year of COVID-19, many practitioners have realised the immediate need to move their businesses to a more digital and online model. So with practitioners moving more to an online presence, how does this impact their advertising responsibilities and how does that affect what they're able to play with on that platform? So. I guess basically speaking, it doesn't change. The same responsibilities exist online and they're governed by the same bodies, the TGA and the ACCC and your industry association. So your website, your blogs, your social media channels that you may be posting things on are all part and considered promoting your business and actually are considered advertising. So from the TGA's and the ACCC's perspective, it's whoever owns that platform is responsible for any content and they're responsible for ensuring that they're compliant with all the relevant legislation. So as a practitioner, it's up to you to know that you're complying with the rules and however you're posting that, whether you're putting it on your social media or whether you're putting it on your web page or whether you're putting it on your blog, you need to know that the information, the advertising that you're posting needs to be compliant. And as with most laws, ignorance is not an excuse. Exactly. And so it's a matter of knowing what you should be doing. So how do practitioners know if they've breached that code or how do they know if they've even received a complaint or they've have stepped outside the lines of where they should be playing. So it, somebody will make a complaint about your advertisement, regardless of what platform you've placed that advertisement on. Um, and depending on the complaint, if it's product related, it would normally be directed to the TGA. If it's not product related, it would do, be directed to the ACCC. So if it's a service that you're saying that you're offering or you're able to say that you can miraculously cure any condition, that would go through to the ACCC. ACCC yeah. And then how does the practitioner, the ACCC contacts the practitioner? So either the ACCC or the TGA will contact you and it's usually by letter. Um, so they will send you a letter stating that there's been a complaint and that you've been in breach of whichever part of the legislation applies. Um, and they ask you to produce a response where you can either defend your advertisement or concede that, oh yes, I've you know made a mistake. I, I you know will pull that ad down. And usually that's what it is. It's to cease advertising that material um, if you concede, or if you decide to defend it, um, it, it is. A, it can be a length, lengthy process, and there can be fines attached to those if if it's upheld and found that you are in breach of that piece, particular piece of legislation. But I guess the most important thing to do is, if you receive a complaint, is not to panic. Mm. Don't go into panic mode. Um, remember that it's possible that whoever the complainant was have taken the advertisement out of context. And so always review the letter really carefully to try and understand exactly what has been complained about. 
From here, you can craft a response to defend your advertisement if you feel that it's necessary to do so. I think not panicking is really good advice. Yeah. I've spoken with several practitioners over the years who have received these complaints. And I mean, the fine that we're talking about is, is sizable. So, oh, well, a minimum fine is $12,600. Which is a decent amount of money for a yes. small business owner. Uh, and that can look very scary and it can be enough to be quite daunting for, yeah. for these individuals. So first don't panic and then look at reviewing what that complaint is you're saying firstly. Yeah, review, re review the letter that they've sent you and try and Sometimes they're not clear on what the complaint is and you've got to take your time to decipher that. Um, and then, you know, bring up the ad that's, you know, in question and take a look at it with a critical eye as well. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you may want to engage a regulatory consultant to help you with that or, or somebody from the legal profession, depending on the level of um, seriousness associated with the complaint but you know in general from my experience i've found that if you look at your advertisement with a critical eye you can understand oh i have I've stepped over the line there. i have stepped over the line you know unintentionally um so i'm happy to concede and pull down that ad and you know redo my ad to make sure it's compliant so in your response, it's you know always good to include that, you know your premise is always to comply with the relevant legislation, making sure that you're not breaching any of those rules and regs around advertising. In terms of engaging some advice, it's worth practitioners knowing that places that you can go for that, like you can always call the clinical and technical support team here at Integria, and we're able to you know, give you some, you know, we can't necessarily provide you with full legal advice on that, but we'll be able to give, we can talk it through with you and we can provide you with a bit of assurance or maybe advice in terms of where it may not be complying or where it could be mm. um, overstepping the mark. And once someone has then gone back with their response, it's probably worth noting that that then means that so long as you comply, it's not like you're fined. So long as you, if you are then able to respond to the body that has contacted you, you revise the ad, you take down that content or whatever. In most cases, that's where it stops for practitioners, isn't it? Usually, um, it, de it depends on the severity of the, you know, breach that the TGA or the ACCC have found. Mm -hmm. um, but in most cases, it can be resolved by just withdrawing that ad um, in most cases. Yep. And so when they're reviewing that ad or that content piece what's the considerations or do you have sort of content or how to evaluate that as a practitioner so i would always look at an advertisement in its totality so the whole overall look and feel of the ad so that includes any imagery you may have the wording you may have because your wording may be fine but the imagery could unintended consequences mm -hmm. make it you know like if you're talking about you know i guess supporting heart health then you have an image of somebody grabbing their chest implying, uh, a, heart implying a heart attack yeah. so that that's totally taken that advertisement out of context so it's always good to look at your advertisement in totality um, and some key questions to ask yourself is you know and what i is what i'm saying truthful have i left anything really important out of my ad Mm -hmm. um, 
who is and how will my ad be understood by the target audience? So, so looking at your target audience and will they understand the point I'm trying to get across with my ad? Um, what are the implications of, you know, somebody possibly not liking my ad? Um, and who might those people be who won't like my ad? So, so just taking your, uh, I guess, emotions out of it and looking at it from a critical standpoint to just kind of think overall, you know, I think generally this is, you know, going to be a fine piece of advertising mm -hmm. or, or there could be a, a subgroup of people who may, you know, find this misleading, misleading or... or offensive or, you know, something like that. So, so it's always good to take emotions out of reviewing an advertisement and, and look at it with a really critical eye. Thanks. That's a great checklist. And I think one way that you can even do that, looking at it with a critical eye is giving it to family or friends or someone who can look at it from an, like an objective perspective and yeah. go, what's, what do you understand from reading that content piece? Yeah. yeah what what's your that take imply? out? Yeah. yeah. It's always what, what the consumer from the ACCC and the TGA's perspective, it's what the consumer's take out message is from your ad. Mm. Um, so yeah, you may be trying to get across a message, but they're saying, the general consumer's takeout message, um, who isn't a highly educated individual, is what what they're looking at yeah. and grading it against. Mm. That's fantastic. I really like that list. I think that provides some nice, clear framework to objectively look at the content pieces for advertising that can be used as a checklist for practitioners to assess: is this within where it should be playing, or am I starting to step beyond? the the code there uh, so i'll put that for the listeners i'll put that in the show notes on the eagle website and sue thank you so much for running through this i think that provides a great amount of clarity on how we can be advertising as practitioners making sure that when we're talking products it's within those listed claims of the products and that you're probably better going to be talking about ingredients specifically approaching it as education and then we've got a bit more play and a lot more sort of free advertising that we can be playing there and then with our services, when advertising those, making sure that we're sticking within the guidelines of what we're able to be treating and working with as healthcare practitioners. So I think that comes in terms of how we work and also for practitioners to be considering if they're using devices or any testing methods to be, they, again, those devices would fall under the same claims that they've got made available for those devices as well. So it comes a bit similar to the products and not saying that I've got this device, and that allows me to treat this condition. That's most of the case probably not going to be able to be doing. So, so I think that's been really helpful to clarify that for practitioners. And again, reminding listeners, if you are unclear or if you do want uh, that objective advice and opinion, you can be contacting Integria and the clinical and technical support team is probably the best place to be starting there. And we can help look at that ad and that content specifically for you and be able to provide you with some advice. And not to be scared if you are receiving a letter, providing us with the action plan of what to be doing there is, has been really fantastic, Sue. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And I would look forward to getting you on the podcast again for another episode around pharmacovigilance and adverse reaction reporting if if you'd like to join me yeah certainly look forward to that one great well thank you so much sue thanks lawrence thank you for listening to eagle clinicals expert update for further information and show notes visit the eagle natural health website 
at eaglenaturalhealth.com.au. If you have a topic that you would like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on the Eagle website or message us through our social media pages. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes. 